Hi, this is Bill Woods again, and I just thought I'd bring you my weekly offering today. By the way, we got a website going. Some of you will not will get this through the regular route, and others you need to know where the website is. It's uh, called lowercase churchofthegalilean.com. You just type it out in small letters, Church of the Galilean, G-A-L-I-L-E-A-N.com. I'd like to talk today about uh, you know, what the devil does about trying to defeat us over things that have happened in the past. I've entitled this sermon, Lock the Door on Yesterday. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, I'm reading from King James. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, there are things you should always remember. First, I think you should remember God. In Jeremiah chapter 2, 3 through 13, it says, In those days Israel was holy to the Lord and the first of his children. All who harmed his people were declared guilty, and disaster fell on them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Listen to the word of the Lord, people of Jacob, all you families of Israel, this is what the Lord says. What did your ancestors find wrong with me that led them to stray so far from me? They worshiped worthless idols only to become worthless themselves. They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us safely out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, a land of deserts and pits, a land of drought and death, where no one lives or even travels. And when I brought you into a fruitful land to enjoy its bounty and goodness, you defiled my land and corrupted the possession I had promised you. The priest did not ask, where is the Lord? Those who taught my word ignored me, and rulers turned against me, and the prophets spoke in the name of Baal, wasting their time on worthless idols. Therefore, I will bring my case against you, says the Lord. I will even bring charges against your children's children in the years to come. Go west and look in the land of Cyprus. Go east and search through the land of Kedar. Has anyone ever heard of anything as strange as this? Has any nation ever traded its gods for new ones, even though they were not gods at all? Yet my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. The heavens are shocked at such a thing and shrink back in horror and dismay, says the Lord. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracks in cisterns that can hold no water at all. You know, that's a description that fits America today. We've forgotten God in our nation, and God's judgment is pending. Now, some of the things we've forgotten is that God told us, remember the Sabbath. In Exodus chapter 8 through 10, he said, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work this includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. What a shame that our nation has changed God's holy day into a holiday. 
No wonder, you know, we're wondering where is God's blessings upon us. Then we need to remember those who suffer. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 3 says, Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember those, also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. Uh, we need to remember that there are people in our world that are being persecuted in countries over in the Mideast that are laying their lives down for the fact that they want to worship God. We just take it for granted. Those people are, you know, giving up their lives to have a Bible or even a page or two of the Bible. They exchange. We, most of us, have so many Bibles in our home that we don't even remember how many we have. We need to pray for the persecuted church in the Mideast. Then we need to remember the past afflictions God has sent upon us. How lean our souls become when we disobey, ignore, and forget God. Lamentations 3, 17 through 24 says, Peace has been stripped away, and I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, My splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. You know, there are many things you ought to remember, but there are also things you ought to forget. Paul said again in Philippians uh, 3, 13 and 14, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul had a lot of things to forget. He had to forget how he'd persecuted Christians in the past. He had to forget how he'd been filled with arrogance and pride. He had to forget that he was there and helped murder Stephen, the first Christian martyr. There were things in his past he needed to forget because Satan would use them to defeat him. Things that could have haunted him. Aren't you glad that when we repent and ask God's forgiveness, he removes the sin and guilt as far as the east is from the west, according to Psalm 103.12? And I think all of you understand, if I'm going east, I continue to go east. I never change directions and go west. If I go west, I continue no matter how far I go to go west. It never changes directions where I go east. As opposed to if I'm going north, Eventually, you know, it comes to a point where I start going south and vice versa. Paul determined to forget the past. We need to do the same thing, to straighten things out with God and lock the doors on yesterday and remember them no more because God said, as far as the east is from the west, he will forgive our sins and forget about them. So lock the door on yesterday's mistakes. Everyone can look back at mistakes and embarrassing situations, and we all can say, oh, why did I do that, or what a fool I made of myself. I remember the very first funeral I had. 
I was standing, it was a graveside service, and I was standing there, and I assumed everyone around me knew the Lord's Prayer. Nobody did, and all of a sudden, my mind just went blank. I forgot the Lord's Prayer, and so I stood there and had to make one up. I still don't know what I said to start out with our Father who art in heaven, but I don't know what happened after that. Dale Carnegie kept a folder labeled FTD, standing for fool things I have done. Albert Hubbard said every man is a fool for at least five minutes every day. He said wisdom consists of not exceeding that limit. You know, we've all made our share of blunders and mistakes. What do we do with them? Do we mourn and sorrow over them and say, oh, I'm so embarrassed, I don't want to face anybody? Or do we let them change our lives because we keep ourselves wretched and miserable hanging on to them? Not at all. God says forget them. In 1974, I realized that the bicentennial of the United States of America was just two years away. And our church ought to do something spectacular to celebrate this momentous occasion because we wanted to be patriotic. I came up with a great idea. Have a God and country celebration. I told my church board my plans. They thought it was a great idea too. So I secured permission from the district advisory board of the Church of Nazarene, a Northwest district, about what I wanted to do. And they were also very excited. So we contacted Paul Harvey about coming, which would cost us $5,000. We secured the Washington State University Coliseum, because I was pastoring in Pullman at that time. Cost was $8,000. We secured the Spear family for a concert, which cost $1,800. We printed brochures, ran ads on the radio. I hit 10 radio stations and television. I was on two channels. Everything was falling into place. This was going to be spectacular. Paul Harvey would speak on Saturday. We had to sell 3,500 tickets at $3 apiece to meet expenses. We thought, no problem. The local newspaper, though, which was published once a week on Wednesdays, picked up the story and printed, Paul Harvey here Sunday. He wasn't coming Sunday. He was coming Saturday. I went down and I begged them to correct their error. They said they only published once a week on Wednesday. They said they uh, only uh, read, printed the news. They didn't read it. Well, of course. What a disaster. I tried to get word out about the mistake. The wrong day was advertised. I even called Paul Harvey in Chicago. He announced on his radio program that he'd be in Pullman, Washington on Saturday, not on Sunday. Saturday came and 1,800 people showed up. Sunday came and over 3,000 people showed up for the rally because that's what they read in the newspaper. That left me $8,000 under budget, which I had to raise to pay the bills. My district superintendent said, we could have told you it wasn't going to work. That wasn't what he told me. He said, I hope you have a car to sell or some other way to pay these obligations. Well, I sold our pickup and camper, which was very dear to me, and stayed an extra year to pastor that church to see the problem through. 
I knew my career was over. Satan did everything he could to say, you really blew it. Your career is gone. I knew that nobody would want a pastor that failed like that. I mourned. I lost sleep. I was embarrassed. I, I didn't even want to go to the district meetings. Finally, I told God, I tried to do something for your glory, but it didn't work. I'm going to put it in your hands and forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. If we're wise, we'll learn to do that with our failures of the past. Don't cry over spilt milk, they tell you. Don't fret and worry over mistakes and blunders of the past because you can't change what's happened. Do three things with them. Learn from your past mistakes. I never tried to get Paul Harvey there again. There's something valuable to learn from your mistakes. Saying that I should be one of the wisest, saying that I should be one of the wisest men around because of all the learning I've had to do because of the fool things I have done. Then determine not to make that same mistake again. Forget about it. Forgetting those things which are behind. Warning, Satan is not going to forget and he's determined to bring your failures up all the time in his efforts to defeat you. Just tell him it's all settled with Jesus and Jesus, I've confessed to him, he's put this in as far as the east is from the west and he doesn't remember them against me anymore. Then lock the door on yesterday's injuries. You know, life's a battleground. On a battleground, you can't help getting hurt sometimes. Sooner or later, someone will hurt you. They'll lie about you. They'll misrepresent you. They'll slight you. They'll give credit to somebody else for your accomplishments. They'll work against you. They'll do something to harm you. Well, what do you do with these wounds? Brood over them? Let resentment grow and fester? No, listen to God. Forgetting. Forgetting those things which are behind. Think about when Joseph uh, was sold into slavery, taken off to Egypt, and went through the false accusations from Potiphar's wife, went into prison, was in prison, didn't ha do anything to deserve that. Finally, he was exonerated and brought into second-in-command by Pharaoh in Egypt. Now, Joseph could have let God, uh, you know... Uh, could have tried to say, well, I'm going to get even with those brothers and all that kind of stuff. And uh, he could have let God deal with his brothers, or he could have destroyed himself with bitterness. He decided not to take the bitter route. You know, we must lock the door on yesterday's sorrows. There are people living under the constant shadow of great sorrow. For many, the light of life has, was extinguished when a loved one died or, or tragedy stroke struck they never f uh, find the light again i remember that we had a, a fellow that lived on the streets in portland oregon he at one time had a great business and his uh, wife accused him of some things and she and she was being unfaithful she and her lover uh trumped up some charges against him he was thrown in jail he lost his uh, business that was making so much money. He lost his reputation. He got out. He had no place to go. He was living on the streets. 
But I remember when we ministered to him at the church there, the Wesleyan church there in Portland, Oregon, that he accepted Christ as his Savior. And he took on an attitude that he wasn't going to be defeated, he wasn't going to be bitter, that God would work things out somehow. Well, later he, he you know, after having victory in his life, he did die before we left, and I know that God gave him great victory as he ushered him into heaven. Praise God. You know, there are two reasons why we must get over sorrow. Not to get past it shows a lack of submission to God's will. Do you believe God's just and wise? Or do you believe God's loving? Unending sorrow questions God's wisdom. His justice, it questions his love. Really, it's rebellion against God's will and purpose. Samuel mourned over the Saul when God rejected him because he, he became so backslidden. And God said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I rejected him from reigning over Israel? That's 1 Samuel 16.1. A second reason why we must get over sorrows of the past Mourning can't bring our loved one back or change the tragedy that's happened. All the tears in the world won't change the situation. How much better to accept what can't be changed and go ahead and try to get over it and get on with our life. After President Abraham Lincoln's son Willie died, Lincoln was so devastated he almost became a recluse. He could hardly function. One of his advisors told him he'd have to let Willie go because he still had a country to run. You know, God doesn't say we mustn't sorrow. He knows we have emotions. He knows when tragedy comes, we can't help but sorrow and weep. However, he wouldn't let Ezekiel mourn for his wife. Remember the story how Ezekiel was being persecuted. His wife would comfort him when he'd come home. And then one day God says, Ezekiel, when you go home, this wife you love so much is going to be dead. But I don't want you to put on mourning clothes. I want you to go out and preach tomorrow just like you've been preaching before. And uh, he did that because God said, I want you to get uh, be an illustration or an example to the people of, of God's grace. Remember how Aaron was not allowed to mourn for his sons when they died, uh, when they disobeyed God or disobeyed God in the temple. God doesn't want us to sorrow endlessly. There's work to do. Life goes on. We have responsibilities we need to meet. We're no use to God or anyone else sitting with our hands folded, all wrapped in gloom. So we must lock the door on yesterday's sorrows and, and uh, mistakes. And then we must lock the door on yesterday's sins. Many people carry a crashing burden of guilt through their lives. There was a slip back there, a moral failure, something that happened that you're ashamed of, and you let God down. You know, years wasted when God was left out. I wished I would have accepted God earlier. Look at all the time I wasted. The ghost of past failures comes back to haunt and torment. When sin, no matter how big or awful, has been confessed and forgiven, we must let it go. The Bible says that, you know, God will forget and, and we can go on. He, we don't have the power to forget things like that, but God does. 
but we can be our own worst enemy. It's not how many times you fall, but how often you get back up. I remember the first time when I was 16, I had an old motorcycle that I just dearly loved. And a friend of mine and I went up in the mountains and I somehow capsized. I was trying to go through a big mud puddle and I fell down and, and it hurt so bad. I laid there and I got up and I said to my friend, I can't get back on this bike. I said, please take me home on the back of yours. He said, no, you need to get back on or you'll never ride again. That was good advice. And so I finally got back on the motorcycle and I rode it back home and I'm glad I did because I had 47 years of uh, joy riding on motorcycles and stuff. I read about a school teacher who burned records of misdeeds of his students each year. You know, God's done this in Jeremiah 31, 34, and they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Micah chapter 7 Verse 19, once again, you'll have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. Psalms 103:12. he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. If God is willing to forgive you, why wallow in misery remembering what God's forgotten? Now, Satan's always there to remind you because he wants to defeat you, but you need to rebuke him in the name of Jesus Christ and command him to leave you alone because God has removed those sins. And if God removed your sins as far as the east is from the west, why would you let Satan bring them back again? I read about an old Catholic lady who often visited the confessional. Each time she'd graphically describe a sin of discretion from years before when she was young. Finally, the priest said, you've confessed this sin to me at least 100 times. Why do you keep bringing it up again? She said, oh, Father, I get so much satisfaction in remembering how it happened. The New Year is generally thought to be a good time to make resolutions. The best one you can make is to lock the door on yesterday with its blunders, its wounds, its sorrows, its sins. Lock that door and throw away the key and forget where you've thrown it. God is saying forgetting those things which are behind. You know, the fears, the disappointments, the hurts, the anger, the hatred, on and on. Anything that's hampering your walk with Jesus Christ needs to be put in the past. The doors need to be locked. You need to pick up where you are now and go on from here in victory. If you want to have a successful 2022, quit living in the past and start living in the now and living, hoping to take the future and mold it and use it for the glory of God. Well, I praise God for the opportunity to be able to talk to you today. I want to have a word of prayer with you. Dear Jesus, there are people that have been listening to this that have got guilt feelings from the past. Satan is capitalizing on this. They're not being all that you want them to be because of the fact they're still mourning over something that happened back there. 
if there's still active sin, help them to forget or to confess that to Jesus Christ, ask for his forgiveness, and then put all that in the past and go on from here to be victorious. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I would remind you, if you want to get a hold of me and ask me about anything or talk to me about anything, uh, by the way, don't confess your sins to me. Confess them to Jesus Christ. I can point you towards him, but I cannot forgive your sins. Only he can. And so go to him and ask him for forgiveness. But if you want to get a hold of me, my mailing address is Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86209. If you want to get a hold of me by email, it's lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com. God bless you. I hope that you're able to get victory for this year and that God will give you a mighty year and use you for his purpose.